Welcome to the Making Up School Cool podcast, the link between research, practice, and theory for those interested in the activities youth are involved with during non-school hours. The Making Up School Cool podcast is produced by Case for Kids, a division of Harris County Department of Education, and I'm your host, Mike Wilson. The topic for this week's episode focuses on the importance of building networking skills. Robert Ford, a business growth specialist for Fortune 500 companies, defines networking as establishing and developing relationships of mutual benefit with people you meet in different places. Building a network is important because it helps you locate individuals who can assist you with connecting and developing potential opportunities for success. In regards to school-based after-school programs, school administration, faculty members, custodians, bus drivers, local community members, and parents are key targets for after-school staff to network with. To discuss the importance of networking is my guest, Ms. Sonia Ware. Ms. Ware is the Chief Executive Officer and President of Blue Beagle Consulting, which is based in Houston, Texas. With 20 years of regional experience as a Fortune 500 leader and entrepreneur, Ms. Ware serves as a strategic thinking and accountability partner. Prior to Blue Beagle Consulting, she worked in the oil and gas technology industry and was a five-time award recipient for creating the right work environment. She has coached individuals working in companies such as Royal Dutch Shell, British Petroleum, UTMD Anderson Cancer Center, United Way of Greater Houston, Pfizer, Farmers Insurance, Morgan Stanley, and numerous universities. Sonia, thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Making F School Cool podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, Michael. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. My first question is, how do you define networking and why is it an important skill to master? I guess the simplest way to define networking is it's building a community, a tribe, where you can have support when you need it, give support where it's needed, share resources, and then just have a group of people that you do life and work with uh, over time. So you can have several different types of network, but their communities are villages that we build, kind of leaning on that statement, it takes a village, right? Well, I'm glad you said that because I think sometimes people look at networking as only a professional group and they Mm. don't take into consideration, you know, their friends, people that they interact with, um, maybe not on a regular basis, but occasionally. And all of those people bring great, you know, opportunities and can help each of us develop as we go down this life's journey. Absolutely. What sparked your interest in the subject of networking? Well, this is the, actually the, when we met was the second time I'd been invited to a United Way program to talk about networking. And the premise or the desired outcome for the people who invited me in was that the groups were coming together but missing opportunities to work deeper together, right? And so a lot of it was not that they weren't willing to, but didn't have the skills around it. Or as you say, just a conversation about what is networking? And why do I want to employ it, right? And so if you take it out of the context of a professional corporate, let's get to know each other, but it's how do I build a village around me or in a community that I can make contributions to and take on. So I'm always happy to help people maximize their effectiveness. You know, we're all leaders. So stand in their leadership, make more effective networks little more effective life. Yeah, I think it's really key. I think sometimes in the nonprofit world, we underestimate the importance of networking because we tend to work with groups that are very similar. 
and yeah, we don't yeah. necessarily always expand out. So um, I think it's really important for um, just as an individual to to look at your networking uh, opportunities and understand mm-hmm. how that influences your life. We all have different comfort levels around others. Some of us right. are introverted while others are <laughs> extroverted. Right. When it comes to networking, would you say one personality type has an advantage over the other? Yeah, no, I don't think that one has an advantage over it. I think they have different strengths, right? So if you are more extroverted, you probably have a broad network, like networks all over the place because they're more outgoing, willing to make friends faster. Introvert is, um, they build alliances, small group of one-on-one alliances. And I actually think that they should take a page out of each other's book, right? So for the uh, extrovert with the broad network, I would invite them to be more strategic. For the introvert, it's like, well, how do you broaden that? Even though it's smaller alliances, how do I have maybe even greater alliances? And you said something, Michael, that I want to integrate here because it's really important. You said we work around people who are similar to us. And what we lose when we don't go outside of that, I mean, we have a bit of groupthink, right? We have a way that people like us see the world. And if I network outside of that, I get to invite other perspectives. And as soon as we have more perspectives, we have more opportunity. It's just because we can't see what we can't see, right? Like the fish doesn't see the water it's in anymore. <laughs> so having someone outside of that is most helpful. But yeah, I think the introverts and extroverts uh, both have strengths and we can learn from each other. And then there's some things that all of us, whether introvert or extrovert, should consider when we are building networks or communities, if you will. It's ironic because I actually, uh, with my job, and I've been in education um, and support services of students for over mm-hmm. 25 years. I am naturally an introverted person. Um, I'm okay. usually very quiet and so on, but uh, because of the type of job that I have, it, it causes me to have to go out. Mm-hmm. And right, right. so I know that when you know I'm out there, I, I can be focused, I know I have to be outgoing. Sometimes I have to prepare for, you know, these are the people I wanna meet. Cause like you said, our comfort level, sometimes we kind of stay in our own group. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> depending on you know the need and the purpose of the meeting or your your occupation, uh, you have to go out there and, and, and introduce yourself and so put yourself out there. Yeah. I love that, Michael. It's actually I've seen that too with great leaders like yourself and that are introverted and they actually plan like they know they're going to have this event and so they plan some downtime because it's going to take a lot of energy to be more extroverted and then they plan some time on the back end. But I think that is not changing who you are, but what you do. So you're more impactful. And then you're also holding yourself sustainable, you know, preserving your energy. So depending on a person's need to expand their business or personal contacts, what advice would you give regarding how to determine the best people to be in your network? I think, yeah, I think where you started is right. Like, what's your why? You know, why am I networking? So sometimes we just might need a network of support because I'm the only Black female on my leadership team. I need to talk to other women in the same spot, right? And that place gives me respite and solace, and I know I'm not the only one. Um, And sometimes we do it just because we want to build a network and get to know people uh, for what they do and the energy they bring. I find myself attracted to 
the generation behind me. So I do a lot with millennials and those folks, as well as uh, startups. Like, so I've done some things with uh, TMC, which is the Texas Medical Center. They have an incubator for small business. I just like that conversation, right? But I built quite a network there. And so we build them around our line. And it may be, when I think about your programs, when you say you're showing up in the out, you know, out of school or after school programs, sometimes we think it's not important to have a network. And a network may look different there. It's not like, hey, I'm going to go build a community. But at least I'm going to go engage that community, right? I'm going to smile. I'm going to get to know people by name. I'll never forget being, I don't know, 13 or 14. I'm probably dating myself. But uh, I know I was in junior high. And I, at that time, you would write a letter <laughs> to the newspaper. I wrote a letter to Ann Landers and said, you know, how do you make friends, right? And she sent me this little book. And I, there were three steps. I only remember two of them. Yeah, there's three. One is um, smile. <laughs> the other is speak to people by name. Hello, Michael. And eventually they'll say, who is that? That person knows my name. They always speak to me. Then they're going to find out who you are. And the third one was just really having a positive outlook or a positive aura around you. I think that's just important. A lot of times we work with people and we never even really see them or know them. Like we know their title but we don't know that they're a poet or a gardener or a fisherman or a baker, right? Like how do we build community and networks all around us, even when we don't have a why other than human connection? Now, that's a great segue to my next question. Okay. Uh, based on your experience working in the networking field, how does a person's body language influence networking opportunities? <laughs> body language is everything, right? And I. I think we take it for granted. Like we, we know the simple things like, okay, well, you need to smile and you need to hold your posture. Uh, I read an article once that said, every time you pass a door overhang, to remind yourself to stand tall, right? Um, I think body language though, even when we're not trying to be closed off, the way you might even sit at a lunch table, if you're like this, that's like, don't bother me, right? Don't bother me today. I think today, though, our big challenge is our cell phones, right? So we've always got our head down, we're like in our phones, and we could walk across a whole campus and never even look up. So how do you put that away? True story. Uh, one of my friends is uh, Silk Sonic is a group that has residency now in Vegas, and they if you don't know them, it's like Bruno Mars, I forget the other guy's name, but they've taken all these old soul songs and created music around, beautiful music. So one of my friends actually went to Vegas to see it. And he said, as soon as we got there, they locked all of our cell phones. So we didn't have a cell phone. We couldn't post, but we had to be with them. And they wrote a whole song about, we got your cell phone, you have to be present. And I said, you know, that's not a bad idea. At restaurants, I mean, how many times do you see people on their phone all at the table together? Or they do a selfie, but they're not really together, right? right. So that's probably the biggest body language piece right now is put away your phone, be human, really see and have a conversation with the other person. You know, it's funny you say that because um, my mother who was in her uh, early 80s and I have mm. two teenage daughters okay. and when the, the girls come to visit, they're always on their phone. 
And my mom is, you know, she's not a cell phone. Right, right. Yeah, so she's like, they're always on their phone, but they're talking to my mom. But she's in the thing when you're having a conversation, you look at each other, you know, you laugh away. and you put the phones away and, yeah. and all of those kinds of things. And I think that's probably as we continue to move, you know, uh, into the future, those are going to have to be some balances that we're going to have to to make. And then oh I think my God, absolutely. the other thing, because of, um, the virus and you had so many people doing business on Zoom. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I actually <laughs> like Zoom because <laughs> there's no travel time. Uh, yes, but I think it does change how your body language, uh, the mm-hmm. way you communicate with people, you know, making sure you show interest that you are interested in what they have to say and so on right. uh, is definitely something that people have to be aware of. Oh, absolutely. And it's also, it's to your advantage, right? If you're really trying to make a difference and you send an old-fashioned greeting card to say thank you or to, to notice something, that's going to stand out. I've had a zoom trainings with groups that i work with all the time and if we're working over lunch they would literally send us an electronic DoorDash so we can order lunch and eat together mm. or a box that we open at the same time there's nothing like human interaction right, right? right. and there are ways you can still do that with zoom and other other tools yeah maybe not Nothing replaces in person, right? But it's, these are effective too, and and that's some great advice because I think as we do shift into this, I guess you call it cyber world or, or mm-hmm. whatever, there's still some human things that we appreciate. So, like yeah. you said, sending lunch boxes or making it a little bit more uh, personal in a professional way, yes, definitely helps to build relationships. Yes, yes. Uh, my next question is going to deal with more or less the out-of-school time field. Since numerous people working in the out-of-school time field often work on a school campus, or in some cases a neighborhood center, which they may not actually live in that neighborhood, um, and this maybe at times can have, have them feel like an outsider, how should they approach networking with campus staff, parents, businesses, and neighborhood residents in the area? Yeah, that's a mouthful. (laughs) Well, you know, because my assumption is like the school staff is probably leaving as they're coming, right? (laughs) So some of those things are happening, but they are talking to parents. And I think if I bottom lined it, and I don't want to just overdo this, but, you know, see people, you know, be human, know them, um, you know, really have a concern and care for them. But that's about being present to that moment, right? And being present with other people. So, okay, cell phones away, you know? And like, what is it? Who is this person? How do I just, we never know what people are going through, but if I'm constantly the one who smiles, says hello, introduces myself. I tell this story about um, a colleague who was in across the pond and we worked together on Messenger. So no visual, just typing. And uh, we would do work. And then at the end, he might ask me one or two questions about my children. How many children do you have? That's how it started. How many do you have? What are their names? So just every now and then making a deposit into those relationships. That can look like a hello. That can look like these kids crying every time, you know, you drop them off or pick them up. But I get that and I try to help it be less stressful for you picking them up. Just all those little ways, right? And teachers likely have had a long day what would make the most in that brief deposit into the relationship for them, you know, rather than having a bright smile and hello, saying your name, you know, the people just know you. Um, 
there's a story by a guy named Max Dupree. It's a leadership story, and I love it. And he writes about Herman Miller, which is a big furniture store guy. You may have heard this story. But he, um, it was years ago when we had meal rights, so the person who kind of watches over the meal, and the millwright dies, and he doesn't really know him, but he goes to his house as customary, and he sits and have a conversation with the wife, and she pours tea, and she reads this poetry that is amazing. Same thing happens at the funeral. And so what he took back to work was, he never knew that guy was a poet. He was just a millwright, right? Or just a teacher, or just a <laughs> school bus driver. But these are people, and how do we get to know them? How do they get to know us? in these small deposits that we make so that we can create a community or a tribe that supports one another and starts to build relationships. And you never know, like, especially if you're looking for the next opportunity or something comes up that could work for you. When people know who you are and they've gotten to do that over time, it's actually a long interview <laughs> that you didn't even know, right? But I know something enough about your character. I know enough about your interests to share it with you and likewise. Yeah, I, I mean, you bring up some really good points because I think, you know, in the out of school time field or after school time field, hours are different. You know, teachers had mm -hmm. a long day, faculty members have a, a long day. Um, right. There's times they can't do some of the things they wish they could do. Right. And the out of school time, people come in and they're bubbly. Ooh, <laughs> <fresh>. <laughs> right. Exactly. But I like the fact that you could always leave a note. You know, you can introduce yourself mm -hmm. even if you're not in person. And yes. those are some lessons that I think, you know, we, we, we may learn from the whole COVID, you know, yeah. not being in physical contact because we recently had a, a program where people came in and I had, you know, some of them I've never met before, just mm -hmm. heard of, and then others hadn't seen in the last couple of years. And, right. you know, you realize that in one sense, you lose that personal contact. Yes. But that doesn't necessarily mean you can't build a relationship. Oh my God. I love your note too, right? Yeah. Because yeah. I've seen, I was with a school once. I don't remember the school, so, which is good, probably for confidentiality. But I was working with the principal and the teachers, and I had gone to the restroom on a break, and there were little post it notes all over the mirror, and it was just positive messages. But, you know, imagine that I don't really know you and you're coming after school, but you leave a note that say, I appreciate the work you do with the students, right? Like that means everything. Now I want to know you. Like, who is Michael? <laughs> who right. left me this note, right? Right. And it just starts building that community. Right, right. Well, before we uh, close, do you have any final thoughts? We just need to be really present to our lives. You know, Deion Sanders said the difference in sports and life is that in sports, at least you know how much time you have on the clock, right? <laughs> in life, there's no clock. We can guess which quarter we're in, maybe. But um, everybody that's introduced to the stage of our life and, and ours and to theirs is for some purpose. And how do we at least open our posture and our personality to know them and, and likewise, so that something greater that wants to happen can happen. And that's like, you know, just be present to your life, right? ultimate network. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Well, Sonia, thank you so much for joining my podcast. I really appreciate you taking some time. I know you got a busy schedule, but uh, yeah, this has been some great advice and I'll probably follow up. I mean, we're going through the uh, end of the school year right now. And mm -hmm. within the next couple of months, we're going to be preparing for the um, next school year. And I think knowing how to network and knowing how you carry yourself is a very important topic. 
No, I think so too. Even when it comes to safety, we don't even want to open that up right now. But Michael, thank you. I'm so grateful to you. Thank you. Making After School Cool. Sonia, thank you so much for being my guest on the Making After School Cool podcast. As always, I want to thank our listeners today, where our topic focused on the ability to develop networking skills. Please join us for future episodes as we continue to explore issues relevant to the out-of-school time field.